0: Hi, welcome to episode number 34, The Effects of Sleep on Weight, Appetite, and Food Control. I'm Donna Riche with episode number 34 of Think, Feel, Eat. So sorry for those of you who are trying to join me live in the free Facebook group. It was not recording over there, Zoom was not uh, channeling over to there. So I am going to have to do this just in Zoom and then share it over there. Um, I'm sorry for those of you who are planning to be with me live tonight. Um, And I've tried everything, so this is where we're at now. So anyway, welcome. I am uh, in the middle of, actually not in the middle, I'm in the first full week of um, think, feel, of drop eight pounds by Christmas. So, we are doing a challenge. It is a free challenge and it is 12 weeks long. It started a few days ago. So, you can join anytime. Actually, I mean, if you join by Thanksgiving, you'd still get benefit out of all the training and things. But the sooner you join, the sooner you will be heading towards that goal of dropping eight pounds by Christmas. So, we have 12 weeks. We have two facets we have a Facebook group. Uh, where I'm in live teaching, posting things, encouraging, answering questions, gonna be doing some live um, weight loss coaching in there. And then also the other arm of it is the email um, notifications every Sunday. You're gonna get a Sunday digest. Uh, You just got the first one if you already signed up, Sunday digest week one. And it has like the videos and different things um, that were in the Facebook group. So some people who aren't on Facebook can even get that. The best benefit, the best bang for your time is going to be to join the Facebook group and the email. um, And the sign-up information is here. It's Donnerish.com forward slash eight pounds by Christmas with the numeral eight, eight pounds by Christmas. Um, That's gonna be your best bet because you're gonna get everything from both uh, ways. And um, that will just be really helpful to you, regardless of whether you want to like watch it, you know, on your computer via email, or you want to catch some things live in the Facebook group. That will help cover both areas, so you'll get the most out of it. And both things are free. All right, so we're going to drop at eight pounds by Christmas. I also wanted to tell you that this was going to be a sleep and a stress episode. And true to my nature of outlining, when I began outlining, it got. OC, that is our family's word for out of control. So we got out of control um, too long. So this one is going to be effects of sleep on weight, appetite, and food control. And next week, episode 35 will be effects of stress on weight, appetite, and food control. All right. So those of you in the eight pound group who are working on your first four your sleep, your water, your writing your food down ahead of time, and your timing your eating and start time and stop time, um, this will really speak to you concerning sleep. I've been t- preaching it since I started the group last week, t- telling you that sleep is way more important than we think. It's not just how we feel the next morning. It's not just how tired we are. It's not just how sleepy we are. It has a few huge effect on our weight, appetite, and food control. So Let's dig in. So The general sleep details that I want to tell you about, and I had Way, way, way more information, just like I always do, but I have covered some of this already in my other broadcast, which is called Weight Loss Lifestyle, used to be called Donna's Intermittent Fasting um, Group, Donna's Intermittent Fasting Podcast, now for the last year or so, it's been called Weight Loss Lifestyle, and those are in the handout as well. So if you go to DonnaReach.com forward slash think, feel, eat, you'll see all the episodes. This episode 34 will be there next week with the outline, with all the links, with all the stuff right there for you. But weight loss lifestyle numbers 40, 41, and 42 delve into everything here, plus tons more. So, um, if you really want to know like, how to improve your sleep hygiene, there's one episode on that. If you want to know more about the hormonal effects, because I didn't really have time in this episode to go into human growth hormone, insulin, cortisol, melatonin, leptin, ghrelin, all to the extent that I did in those weight loss lifestyles, 40, 41, and 42. All right, so... We need seven to nine hours of sleep a night. Now, gone are the days where we say,, um, you know, man, I only got four hours sleep last night. I only got three and a half and we're trying to you know, want up each other and and talk about how, you know, it's been weeks since I slept longer than five hours. and And gone are those days because it's no longer cool. It's no longer hip. It's no longer desirable because we know too much now. We know too much to place an emphasis or a positive spin on not sleeping. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, even though we know now what we know about sleep and what I'm going to be presenting today in I Think Feel like 34, even though we know it, 35% of people are still sleep deprived. And 29% of adult Americans get six hours or fewer per night. So. You're gonna see as we go through here, you don't want to be one of those. You do not wanna be that statistic that sleeps um, under six hours per night. Uh, on the flip side, you notice I started out with seven to nine hours as the like ideal what we want. On the flip side of that, over nine hours for people over the age of 18 often results in depression or can be a sign of existing depression. Now, this is important to note, and it also is important to note that all of that lying around and, um, you know, not having much energy and then resting too much during the day, all that kind of stuff, that can lead to insomnia. So we want to curve that. So what causes us to go to sleep, right? What causes us to go to sleep? What causes us not to go to sleep? So we have these sleep-inducing signals that accumulate in the brain. And again, I'm more, more circadian rhythms and everything in those three episodes of weight loss lifestyle, but we have these sleep inducing signals that accumulate in the brain. The longer we are awake, which is why, you know, if you sleep till noon, then you can't fall asleep that night until two, three, four in the morning, because you haven't given your brain enough hours to accumulate these sleep inducing signals, right? Because your brain knows you just got up, right? You can't, you can't fool your brain um, when it comes to sleep and so uh it accumulates the brain in the brain the longer we are awake the harder we work and the more we exert ourselves and that's why when you you know are married to a man who you know works on the works construction or works on city crews or something like that they can fall asleep anywhere right because they've exerted themselves so much that the uh sleep-inducing signals are very strong in them, right? They're like, yeah, I'm done, I'm tired, right? And that's why we often get very fatigued whenever we start working out when we're not used to that. Now, we thwart this these signals, the signals that tell us, you know what? You're, you're getting sleepy, okay? We thwart these signals with a lot of things. We thwart them with caffeine, with blue light, with too little activity, with sl- staying in a slow state. You know, kind of like laziness. We don't realize that when we are when we say we're just too tired to do anything. And so we lie there and we don't move around, we are not, we're just causing ourselves not to be able to sleep that night because our body already said you've laid down already for five hours. You don't need to sleep now, right? Sleeping too much during the day, etc. So that the signal is not perceived as off and on anymore. We want sleep to be off and on, off and on, not like drowsy tired, drowsy tired, wish I could fall asleep, wish I could fall asleep, but can't. All right, now there are so many benefits to adequate sleep, and again, that being seven to nine hours. And uh, for one thing, and I'm gonna give you a lot, I'm gonna give you some research studies that are so compelling um, that point to these benefits. One is it leads to fewer cravings. We've been talking a lot in the drop eight pounds by Christmas group about how we can reduce those cravings, how we can reduce our cravings not just willpower through them and not even just resist them or sit with them, but how can we like not even have as many of them? And this is one way. Not only is this one way we can do that, but this is a completely free, completely enjoyable, completely simple, once you get your sleep hygiene down way to do it. Who doesn't love sleep, right? Who doesn't? I, I mean, I just, I am crazy about sleep. I start counting the hours in the evening until I'm going to be snug in my bed reading or watching Netflix. Um, I just cannot wait to, to rest at night, right? And that's the way it should be. But it's not that way if we are too inactive during the day. So it leads to fewer cravings, free, free way to get fewer cravings. It provides a boost in metabolism. How interesting is that? especially those of us who are over 45, we're always looking for a way. How can I boost my metabolism? How can I increase my metabolism? What can I do so that I burn more calories so that I can eat more? I can't eat very much. What can I do to burn more calories at my weight? I can't eat as much as I want to eat. And we often think that or say that. And here we have again, a free, fun, enjoyable, easy way to boost our metabolism. It gives us better insulin sensitivity. So, if you are one of those people who borderlines on um, diabetes, like prediabetes or metabolism um, or metabolism disruption, that type of thing, uh, sleep is going to help with that. It leads to more regulating of hunger hormones. Uh, you're going to see when we go through some of these studies that when we sleep, we our ghrelin is heard better. So, it's like, you know, it, we, we, are able to calm it down. I mean, and then our leptin is heard better. It helps us have better workouts, right? I just met my daughter for a workout and I said, man, about once or twice a month, I have insomnia. And I was like, Oh, it was last night, Kara, I'm going to be a mess working out, you know, because I knew that my workout was not going to be nearly as good as it would have been if I had slept well last night. And then as we'll find out next week with episode 35 about the stress hormone cortisol, we um, have less stress hormone. Okay, seriously, how can we hear these benefits and not just want to go get comfortable and go to sleep? You know, again, it feels good. It feels right. It's comfortable. It's free. We're not denying ourselves anything, you know, like food or whatever. We are just enjoying sleep and it has all of these benefits. Fewer cravings, a boost in metabolism, better insulin sensitivity, better regulating of the hunger hormones, uh, better workouts and way less stress, right? How many of us are grouchy, like with our kids the next day, after we didn't sleep enough? You know, we know it's inevitable, right? We know how it's going to feel. We know how it's gonna turn out. All right, now then the detriments. And this is what I really want us to take to heart. I want us to take to heart that when we are not sleeping well, we are affecting those positive things that I just named negatively. We are causing ourselves not to get those benefits and even actually to get detriment or downfalls. So one is um, that studies show that sleeping under six hours results in lower leptin. If you remember, leptin is a satiety hormone. So that tells us we're full. We've had enough. Okay. Under six hours, we have lower leptin levels. So our body will not tell us that we've had enough to eat. It results in higher ghrelin levels. So, again, the growling, growling gremlins, right? Those hungry hormones that are uh, growling and telling us that we need more food, we need more food, even when our stomach might be full and we don't need more. And a distinct trigger in the brain requiring more food. Now I didn't get all the details of this, but there's something that when we sleep under six hours, the brain triggers, you need more food, you need more food, you need more food. What in the world? Right? Does that just make you want to get your seven and a half hours, no matter what? All right. One study showed that just sleeping one to two hours less per night can uh, cause in this study a 24 to 30% increase in hunger. So if you're ever wondering, man, I'm so hungry today, what in the world is going on? Look at your sleep last night, 24 to 30% increase in hunger for um, one to two hours less of sleep than what your body needs. Another study showed that people who regularly sleep fewer than seven hours have 26% more hunger than people who sleep closer to eight. Sleep away, guys. Sleep away. Get to sleep early, even if it takes melatonin. Even if you have to train yourself, you know, a little bit at a time. Like I'm gonna get up 15 minutes earlier, no matter how I feel tomorrow, and I'm gonna to go to sleep 15 minutes earlier tomorrow night. Then I'm gonna do that for a couple days. Then a couple days later, I'm gonna do, you know, another 15 minutes or half an hour, whatever. Just cut the caffeine earlier in the day. Cut the blue lights. Do whatever it takes to get your sleep. Because research and the thing about you know how I talk about research and I have a whole episode in weight loss lifestyle. Um, I don't have my table of contents right here beside me. Can't remember what number that was. It seems like it was in the fifties. But um, I have a whole episode about um, about uh, research and about um, like uh, how to interpret really research and then also how we believe you know like different. Um, different uh we we, we believe different things because of the the bandwagon approach or you know bandwagon method or the um you know something's blown out of proportion or research used incorrectly or all that so that that is really interesting about research and i most of you know from listening to me for a while that i was a debate teacher and coach um along with my husband and um the thing about so, so I agree. People use research for whatever they want to use it for, right? We know that. Logical fallacies, that's what that episode was called, logical fallacies. Um, people use it for whatever they want to use it for. But the sleep research, it's like there's nobody vying or fighting for one side or the other on the sleep research. I mean, maybe a mattress company, all right? I mean, you know how the research about low-carb versus low-fat and they're like butting it out head to head and, and you know this research shows this and this research shows that and if you believe in low-carb, you cite all of this research and you discount all of this research and if you believe in low-fat, you believe all of this research and you discount all of the other. There is nothing like that in sleep research. Sleep research across the board says, this is what we find. There's not special interest groups trying to get us to change our minds. There are not padded research studies. They're not like research studies of three people over four days. You know, it's just not any funky research. It's like lots of research, very robust across the board showing that we have more hunger to the tune of 24 to 30%, 26%. I mean, really significant amounts, right? You probably heard me say that research also shows that we all need to weigh at least 30% less. I mean, most of us need to weigh 30% less. Now, some of us are closer to our goal, so maybe we don't need to weigh 30% less. But America, across the board, needs to weigh 30% less than we do as a nation, and we need 30% less food than we have right now. Sleep. Sleep would solve that problem, or I should say sleep, Compounds that problem right because we are eating 30 percent more than we need to just from lack of sleep many times if we follow our hunger cues with that okay next is a decrease in fat loss so hunger is one thing right we know the difference between hunger and craving and we know the difference between satiation and satisfaction i taught about that too but next is decreased fat loss so a study on obese women at the same caloric intake had great fat loss until they divided the groups in two and the second half reduced their sleep the sleep deprived group had half the fat loss from that point on from the other group with no changes in energy or expenditure at all with energy expenditure or caloric changes now we've heard it forever that your weight loss is based on what you take in but our bodies have to function at their full capacity in order to burn body fat. So these obese women were at the same, they were both groups were at the same caloric intake. That's a really important component. Um, I'm pretty sure that this was an in-house um, study. It wasn't like self-reported. That's really important too. you for me talk about that. Um, but they, the one group, When they divided them in two, they kept everything the same. And the one group that had the right amount of sleep kept losing. The other group stopped losing. The body simply will not do what it's made to do if we are sleep deprived. All right, and then uh, along that same uh, same thought of the decrease in fat loss, is research shows a 55% reduction in fat loss for sleep deprived people. Now these are various studies, but what I'm saying is that they are various studies that are showing the exact same thing. Um, so, yes, it's it, It's just unbelievable. It's, it's truly just, when, when something is simple and is enjoyable to sleep, I'm just like, why would we not do that? All right, okay, so then i want to talk a little bit about the brain studies. I'm going to have more material, of course, than <laughs> I have time for. Um, but there was, a, it was a New York Obesity Research Center. Again, whenever they have any kind of in-house studies, that's always better than self-reporting, Columbia University. And it was five consecutive nights, nine hours in bed for half, four hours in bed for the other half. So nine hours versus four hours. They both slept in the lab, again, not self-reporting, right? And they were monitored with, uh, I forgot to ask Siri how to say this, uh, polysomnography. Polysomnography, polysomnography. You know I love my multisyllabic words, and that is a good one, polysomnography. Anyway, those are electrodes and wires that monitor brain waves and other sleep indicators. It was a crossover design. Okay, This is another good thing, right? And you can find more about uh, the correct research and things like that from um, Hungry Brain, that book, or from uh, Dr. Stephan Guianney's, um website as well. Um, but it was a crossover design which meant that both groups did both sides so some of them did nine some of them did four and then they flip-flopped um so that way they were comparing individuals against themselves as opposed to just against each other right just another level of research that most um another level of uh, uh responsibility in research another level of uh correct data that you don't get without a crossover so that was really good Okay, so on the fifth day, they were allowed to eat whatever they wanted for a day as long as the research team weighed and recorded everything. Again, not self-reported. The sleep-deprived group ate nearly 300 more calories than the rested group. And this happened to each person. So the nine-hour person versus the four-hour person. To himself, not like these people versus these people. Unreal. 300 more calories than the ones who got who had the nine hours in bed. And the study concluded that sleep restriction, quote, unquote, sleep restriction increases food intake. It is as simple as that. We simply eat more food when we haven't slept. Bottom line, when we don't have enough sleep, we eat more food. And wowzy. wow, wow. All right, so we have then, our, our, um, our, sorry, let me go back here. We have then our um, pages here. I'm so sorry. We have then uh, the fullness, the um, hunger, right? That it causes over hunger. Then we have that it causes less fat loss when we don't sleep enough. Then we have that it causes um, more um, more calories in general, and now it is into the food choices. So this was the same study as above from Columbia University. They did another study, again, uh, regulating the participants on food choices. and uh, The brain scans of the people showed that the sleep restriction sleep restriction increases the brain's responsiveness to food. Parts of the brain associated with food reward were more active in the sleep restricted people. And that made them in this study, I believe it was like they could, they could choose anything out of vending machines. It was all, but they had to put their code in. So their name, so they knew who got it and everything. Um, but they the sleep restricted people chose more calorie dense junk foods than the others. And again, Comparing them to themselves. Okay, metabolism. Again, this has to do with fat loss, but it also has to do with how much we can eat. And those of us who are, you know, heading to sixty years old, we're realizing that our capacity to eat, and still maintain the weight that we want, is, is not what we thought it would be. At least it wasn't for me. I always heard, you know, that you can't eat as much when you get older. But I just thought, you know, I'm active enough. That's not going to be me. You know, I've always. And here I am, you know, working on boosting my metabolism through every mechanism that I have found in the research so that I, not because I want to pig out, but just because I want to eat a more, you know, a more satisfying amount, right? No pigging out. We don't use that word at donnarish.com. All right. So insufficient sleep has many detriments on the metabolism. Again, Columbia University. Uh, they went on to study the lipostat, which is that part of the brain that tells the body how much food it needs. Okay, so how much food uh, your body needs is, it's kind of controlled from the lipostat in the brain. It also gets signals from leptin, uh, the hormone leptin, uh, which is in the brain also, is also in the um, in the, uh, um. Intestines. Um, but there people sleep-deprived people are told by their brains that they need more food um because they're short on energy. Okay, so your lipostat, that part of the brain that tells the body how much food it needs, it thinks you need more energy and it signals the food reward part of the brain to tell you to get more food. Get more food. All right. And then impulse control. And again, this is kind of with our food choices again. But when we're talking about urges and we're talking about cravings and we're talking about, you know, just these like um, impulses that come to us that we can't seem to to counteract, that we can't seem to overcome, um, another way we can do it is through sleep. So, researchers have found that economically, people who are sleep deprived have something called optimism bias they think that things will work out for them more easily and then they make poor choices in gambling and financial decisions and so forth now this has bearing on food right because if we think oh this a little bit that won't hurt us how many times do we tell ourselves that how many times do we um it's kind of close to the window how many times do we tell ourselves that how many times do we say that um you know, this won't matter, this won't make a difference, this is just a a little snack, I'll start tomorrow, those kind of things, those are all having to do with our impulse control, right? So one team studied 50 people to see if this optimism bias affected food also. And I found all the research about gambling, I mean, like, it's like, it makes so much sense why these, casinos and hotels and things like that have like buffets all night long and they they have music and and entertainment all night long because if they can keep people up and get them with lack of sleep they will have less impulse control and they will gamble more what in the world it's like they're setting you up to gamble more and to have no control isn't that interesting but anyway it did they had them sleep different amounts and then they observed their snack habits again it was very controlled at a center okay you know self-reporting you know that's just really not as good as what they're doing in these studies here Um, so the sleepier people munched on more calories and were more likely to eat food that they rated as delicious and unhealthy so they they controlled it they they had to pick it i'm pretty sure that some of the studies were such that when they put in a code, they could get whatever they wanted, but their code was their code. Let the researchers know who it was that was having it, and uh, then they had to rate it. So they, the sleepier people, ate more calories, and they were more likely to eat food that they had rated as delicious and unhealthy. The researcher con- the researcher concluded, quote. When you have inadequate sleep, you're probably less likely to live in accordance with your own health goals. You're less likely to go to bed on time, you're less likely to go to the gym, and you're less likely to have your eating behaviors align with your long term health goals. Um, it's, it's so compelling, guys. It is so compelling. Not just like repeated sleep deprivation. But similar research shows that one night of total sleep deprivation reduces the food cue responsiveness. In other words, even one night of sleep deprivation can cause us to abandon our healthy food goals. Isn't that so interesting? So sleep is not just something that makes us feel tired the next day, lack of sleep, short on sleep, under under seven nine hours. It's not just something that makes us feel tired. It's not just something that makes us feel grouchy. It's not just something that makes us feel um, anxious and um, fatigued all day. It also has a bearing on how our body burns fat the next day, on how our metabolism works, on how we make food choices, on how many calories we consume, on how hungry our brain tells us that we actually are. Isn't that just so amazing? I'm just like, so now you can see those of you who have taken my mini course, the first four, now you can see why sleep is one of those four. It's huge. And we, and when I start people off right off the bat with the first four, you know, I do it for self-integrity, right? You know, I do it because you're deciding ahead of time with your adult brain, not your toddler brain, but it is also going to set you up for fewer cravings, um, better choices, better fat burning, better metabolism boosting, better energy, uh, it, it's just, it just is a win-win. So that is why sleep is one of the first four in the first four free mini course, right? Because it can affect so many things. So next time you're filling out your sheet, those of you in the drop eight pounds by Christmas, you're filling out your daily sheet, which takes two to three minutes, I hope, and you are going through there and you're saying, oh. Sleep again. I have to write down my sleep. Oh, you know, it takes what? 10 seconds. I have to write down my water. You know, I have to write down what time I started eating, what time I stopped, and what I'm going to eat today or tomorrow, depending on when you fill it in. Remember that that sleep portion is no joke, right? It is for real something that's going to make a difference. So thank you for joining me for Think, Feel, Eat number 34. And I would love to have you join the Drop 8 Pounds by Christmas challenge. We have 12 weeks to drop eight pounds using all of the tools and techniques that I uh, teach in both of my broadcasts, as well as at my blog, DonnaReach.com, as well as at The Perfect Storm of Weight Loss. And I am bringing that all together for people in bite-sized increments, Uh, in the Drop 8 Pounds by Christmas Challenge. So I'd love to have you join me. Thank you for joining me today. If you're new to the blog, I'd love for you to come to subscribe at downreach.com so you can get these outlines and all of the handouts and workbooks and deliverables that are going out absolutely free right now for everybody. Thanks.